So today may or may not be one of those sobby, poignant episodes, but I pray that it doesn't necessarily end up there because I want to get through it, being able to actually speak. Today I want us to talk about burnout because burnout is one of the things that lead to anxiety and to depression and a lot of the times this is not spoken about, it's not talked about. So are we ready to fully disclose? Let's talk about it. Let me tell you my experience with burnout. So the very first time that I want to say I experienced this and was fully aware, but towards the tail end of it, when it was really bad, was when I joined Emirates. So I was flying before. I was already in a very high stress or busy job, if you can, if you want to say that. And I was already, I had already been in this type of role for years and years. And I never felt quite like how I felt when I joined Emirates. So obviously aviation is known as a very um, demanding type of industry. The shifts are crazy. The workload is, is intense. The hours are long. And so... It is very normal to be burnt out. So when I joined Emirates, I was, so they had, I think I've mentioned this in some of my Emirates video on YouTube. So if you're listening to this podcast uh, via, you know, a podcast platform, I am also filming this on YouTube and I have a couple of videos on YouTube where I have spoken about um, my experience with Emirates or being at Emirates. When I joined, I, so yeah, if you want to check those out, I just wanted to mention that so you can kind of have a backstory of where this is coming from. When I joined Emirates, I, uh, well, we were told that there would be shifts and I was informed that I was going to be in the 6 a.m. shift. What that meant is that you had to be in class at 6 a.m., right? So already like super intense to begin with um, in terms of like time and stuff like that. And that would be a 6 a.m. shift that's, uh, that started class 6 a.m. all the way till noon, I want to say. Was it noon or 2 p.m.? Oh my goodness, I forget. I think it was 2 p.m. It wasn't noon because we, we went for lunch and then we came back to the class and then we had a session. So I think it was 2 p.m. So 6 to 2 was the first session, and then the other classes would come in, I think, 3 p.m., and then there was one that was a night class. Um, when you left at 2 p.m., there was there were, like, tons, there was, like, assignments to do, yeah? So there were tons of things to do. You'd either get home, make dinner, or do your assignments, or study because we had exams, a lot of exams back-to-back, and then... Um, then you would sleep. You try and sleep early so you can wake up the next day and go for your other shift. 
so your other uh, training class. And at first, you know, it's just an early start. Naturally, that would get you really fatigued. Naturally, that would get you um, a little overwhelmed. But it wasn't so bad, right? It, like it was, it was intense, but it was bearable, if I can say that. Um, so moving forward to when I started to actually fly. So now when we joined... Um, when we were actually active online, I think that's what we used to call it, <laughs> join online or in line or something of the sort. So when we started flying, we we had rosters that had something we called turnarounds. So a turnaround is basically a flight where you go on the flight and come right back to base, wherever that base is. If it was in Kenya, Nairobi, or if it's in Dubai, you go to wherever you're going and you fly back to base the same day. And these were back to back. So on a regular flight schedule, turnarounds, essentially the ideal roster would be for things to be spread out, right? So you have turnarounds and you have layovers. But because of the fact that we were starting, it was turnarounds back to back. All right, so fast forward to when now the rosters were normal. So this is basically how my life started in Dubai. I felt that everything was very overwhelming because everything was kind of rushing towards me at the same time. We had to look for a house to live in within the two, within I think the first three weeks that I was in training. So there was that, there was like house hunting in between the reading for the exams, in between the trying to figure out, oh, so let me tell you a story of, of my hair. <laughs> Everything will make sense in terms of the emotional turmoil that it was, okay? So when I joined Emirates, I had my hair, I think I had something that was called micro weaving. Is it micro weaving? I don't remember, but I think it was micro weaving. So this is what my hair was in. The point of that was because I had been told a few times that the training is super intense and you will not have time to like go do your hair. So don't come in braids or something of like, just come with something that is easy to wash <laughs> and, and go. So because my hair was relaxed, my hair's is relaxed. Um, I It's not natural. Basically, that's what it means. If you have no idea what that means, um, is basically that it's not natural. Um, because my hair is relaxed, I, I went forward and did like a, like micro weaving. I believe that's what it was called. And the, the whole goal was to have something that would be so easy to wash after two weeks or after a week and just dry because I did I have a blow dryer I had no just go like to this to like the hair salon close to my building and just blow dry because that was also going to be cheaper because when you join Emirates obviously you don't have a salary straight away so you want to minimize your expenses and your basically how much you use money as much as possible well that was my plan anyway so um, also considering the fact that I was told I will not have as much time to like go get my hair done 
um, this seemed like a good plan, right? It seemed like, okay, this is a, a viable plan. It, it'll work. So that's what I did. So two weeks after my training had begun, I decided I would wash my hair. So I had all my products. I came with my shampoo, conditioner, blah, blah, blah. And, and I even, I think I even had a filter. So in Dubai, a lot of the times people are advised to have a filter in your shower because something to do with, I think the water has something in it that is not good for your hair a pH balance or something of a sort. So you, you're advised to have a filter. So I think the person who was in my room before I joined had a filter and left the filter in the shower. So I already had one. So I was like, cool, I can wash my own hair um, in, in my shower. And so that is what I attempted to do. And it did not end well. <laughs> In fact, that is like the understatement of the year when I say that it did not end well. It was a breach. It was a tragedy. It was everything bundled up into one. Like my whole, all the hair on my head was attached to, <laughs> to each other in this one big horrifying knot. And I had to go to like the hair salon and have them try to separate, which they tried for hours. It did not work. So we had to cut. So I cut my hair at this point. So picture this. I am new. I have just moved to this country. I spent so much money to do this microweaving because I thought it was going to be the best solution to the problem. The issue that I was told would be time and, and, uh, you know, lack of opportunity to do my hair to all of these things that I had been told. Right. So picture me doing all of that. And then finally in this moment and having all of these things going on. So I'm a 6 a.m. which is what I used to call myself. I'm a 6 a.m. I need to be, I'm in the 6 a.m. shift. I have exams. I'm stressed. I'm looking for a house. And then finally, I have to cut my hair. So I think I, I never realized the emotional stress that this brought to me and the negative experience that this was, this whole situation was to my joining this company. So my affiliation of being at Emirates wasn't the best in terms of like, I affiliated my joining with bad things that happened to me, with a, a moment of emotional stress that I had never felt, one, one like I had never felt before. So I cut my hair, right? And this is just a backstory of like what led up to my burnout. Um, and then, yeah, so we started flying and then we had regular rosters and everything was good for the first, everything was okay. I'd say good. Everything was okay for the first year and a half. I think maybe a year, a year and a half. I'm not sure. Up until it wasn't. 
So people started to resign in like huge numbers. Um, we had such a shortage of crew and the rosters became busier and busier and busier. And the, 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 the days off. So usually you should have, I think a minimum of eight days off in your roster. And now everything was just back to back a minimum of eight. So we, we essentially had 12 or like 10 and now it was like just the minimum, which was eight, but your hours were like a hundred, 115, like depending on the roster, you would work so much sometimes. We had multi-sectors, um, flights like JFK Milan, Milan, no, Dubai, JFK, JFK, Milan, Milan, JFK, JFK back to Milan and then Milan back to Dubai. And that would take maybe, I want to say like five or six days out of base. And then we also had like Sydney, Christchurch, Dubai, Sydney, Christchurch, which it was just like a ton of multi-sectors. And I remember on this roster, on this particular roster, I had like longer flights and also like the busiest turnarounds in between. So it wasn't all the rosters that were that they were all heavy, right? Like, let me make no mistake. They were all heavy, but not all of them were that intense. So I had a few that were intense. And this one time I had one that was super, super intense. I remember I would come home and I would like have a flight where I land, like, let's say Bangkok in the morning. No, noon, land at noon, get to get to my house and then have another flight at 3 a.m. the next morning. So basically what, what they would call that is like minimum rest type flights where you're only resting for 10 hours between your the landing of your first flight and the takeoff of your second flight. Is it takeoff or, or is it your time to check in? I think it's your time to like check into the flight, not takeoff. So those were like really, really tight ones. And I think on this particular occasion, I had one of those. I remember it was Bangkok because I remember that, um, Actually, I had a training, not um, not a flight. It was a Bangkok. I landed at noon. And the next day I had one of those. Um, so we used to call them SCP. Basically what SCP was, was like a, a training, uh, an annual recurring training where you renew your license for flying, your cabin crew license. And so we had to study before the flight. And I remember it being really intense because I needed to study before the flight to Bangkok. I studied in Bangkok. And then when I landed, I needed to go over a few things before the next morning. So the class was the next morning. And I was so, I remember being so fatigued and so tired. And waking up in the morning was such a struggle that day. So on this particular day, when I woke up to go into the shower, the sh so that we had a shower that was on a tub, right? So like you have the shower head and you have a tub, right? If that makes sense. That's how most of the houses are in Dubai. 
And I think even in hotels, just like the one in hotels. Yeah. So I, as I was going up the steps, because I was had like a, like two steps before you get into the tub. As I was going up the steps, I, I was so tired that I was half asleep and I didn't even realize that I was, that I was not fully awake. And I, did I slide or did I trip on the step? And I fell into the tub and I even broke the tub, like a section of it. And because I broke it, it was razor sharp on the side of where I broke it. So it cut me. And I just remember seeing blood and, and seeing my husband come running because he, he heard the tumble. Because <laughs> it was like five in the morning. So he heard the tumble and he came rushing to see what had happened. And my, my leg was bleeding because it was cut. And so he looked at me and he was like, so, I mean, you need to go to the clinic. They need to check because you never know. Because like, you know, when you're cut with something, it could give you an infection by virtue of just not knowing what is in that thing that cut you. So he was like, you need to go to the clinic, blah, blah, blah. And I was just there looking at him and thinking, I have to go to class. I have to go do my exam. Like, I don't have a choice. And I remember feeling and knowing that if I did not go to do this exam, that I'd probably get some type of, I'd be reprimanded in some type of way, either have a letter sent to my manager or have, which goes in your file. And what that means is that when there's any opportunity for a, a promotion, you don't get it because of either, you know, the disciplinary or the or whatever the case. And so I remember thinking to myself, if I don't go for this class, there will be repercussions. And so I must, I have to go. I don't have a choice. And so I went and I, I just put a bandaid on and I remember really having a hard time walking because my shoe, like the shoe obviously was pressing on to the wound, but I, I went to the class. It was a two day class. This was day one. Um, the first thing when you walk in is you have exams. So that to me was my first sign is that I wasn't aware of the fact that I was, it's like sleeping on the wheel and not being aware of what it is that you're doing. So that was my first sign. So I was quickly going into a state of fatigue and not really knowing that, yes, I am fatigued, but not really noticing that my body was slowly kind of losing itself, if I can say that. And then I started to become very anxious. I've never been, like I've always been someone who doesn't sleep well if I have a morning flight. But I've never been someone who suffered from anxiety, like that deep anxiety that keeps you awake at night, completely awake. Even when you like take something that's supposed to relax you to sleep, it doesn't work. Um, 
the type of the I want to say the type of anxiety that causes your stomach to hurt at night like in the middle of the night you have acidity hyperacidity and your tummy hurts and you you're just not okay I never had that and it it became so intense that I wouldn't sleep after every morning like before a morning flight I wouldn't sleep um I feel like the one thing that was not really um taken seriously was the wellness of crew the mental wellness that crew um and I know a lot of companies do this this is not like an emirates thing I just feel like at emirates it was it was more apparent because there was a fear that that came with not going to work or not performing as good as you're supposed to there was always a fear of repercussions and consequences and so it just became a thing <laughs> i found that i was so i'm i'm generally not a fearful person i'm i'm very bold but i found that i lost a lot of the confidence that i had in 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 different ways because i always felt like if i do this i will be in trouble or if i i might say this thinking that it's it's a normal thing to do but it may land me in trouble and so there was a fear that came that kind of changed me a little bit and i i never noticed up until i feel like up until i left and i and i like i was away from the company is when i i started to feel or to see that i was this way okay then fast forward to now later in life after all this has happened and over and over again and now here i am one day in the hotel and i was i felt this was a constant feeling at this point was a deep sense of just like grief a deep sense of heaviness every time i had to go to work i would cry i remember my husband sometimes holding me in bed because i was crying and i was telling him like i don't want to do this anymore or i don't want to be alone i don't want to go i want to stay with you i want to like i i just felt a deep sense of of sadness if i can say that um of dread um being alone was something that we as people in aviation especially crew because of traveling and being in hotels by yourself and stuff like that as much as we were many and amongst each other there was a loneliness of once you walk into your hotel room and me having the personality that i have i would be alone most of the time so i think there was just a feeling of of doom that i felt of loneliness of deep 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 loneliness and and that has carried through that feeling of loneliness i struggle with even now like i don't want to be around people necessarily but if i'm left alone 
also, I start to feel like a deep sense of sadness. And I honestly have no idea how to navigate or how to deal with with that. I sometimes I try to like like be around people and maybe you know that's something that'll make you feel like remove alleviate that feeling of loneliness but it doesn't really help I just feel like I'm like I'm burning out <laughs> I feel like I'm overstretching overextending myself when I try to be around people a lot of the times and so I end up kind of retreating to being by myself. And then this also turns out to be like a trap. So I I really haven't really figured out how to navigate. But in that season, I, I felt such a deep sense of loneliness. And this, this one time I was in the hotel in San Francisco. And I think it was time to go back to Dubai. And I just remember feeling almost paralyzed in bed. feeling like I was unable to move. And I think at that time, honestly, I hadn't really realized what depression looked like, what it felt like, what what it was. I, no one was really talking about mental health that much up until after COVID or during COVID. And so I I was just trying to get out of this funk, which is what I thought it was like, you just need to snap out of it. You just need to get back into it, you know, buy some makeup, do makeup, um, buy some food, eat, buy some, you know, buy something that makes you feel good. And I think that's kind of where I, I started to, to like focus on makeup a lot because that is what made me feel good. That is what offered me some sort of escape from this emotion, this loneliness, this, this dread, this doom that I felt that was so intense and I had no idea how to get rid of it. This was a constant thing in my life up until I left the company. I remember when COVID happened and we were sent an email to be told that we should stay home. I could not believe that I could actually stay home, be with someone for for like two weeks straight. Because at, at first I thought it was going to be two weeks and then we'll get back to flying. So for two weeks straight, I felt happy. I felt fulfilled. I felt normal. And I just couldn't believe it. <laughs> That's when, you know, people started to talk about depression and anxiety and different types of mental conditions. And um, recently I was listening to a sermon series called Fried and Frazzled by the Bishop of Nairobi Chapel. And I will link it I'll link the link somewhere either in the description box for those who are watching on YouTube and on the podcast platforms. I will try and put a link there so you can find it because I really do think um, it is a series that is worth listening to. And honestly, I think that after listening to this is when I realized what I was actually going through. And that's when I was, um, that's when I kind of came to terms. And this is three years after the fact, after I've left Emirates and after I have moved on, but I was still struggling 
with so many signs and symptoms of burnout and and how my personality had changed and I wanted to be alone a lot of the times and I I felt like I was going to die sometimes in the sense that I I felt like sometimes I just felt like I had no energy and no um I had how do I say usually normal people have strength to deal with situations but when you're already at a point where you're burnt out very small things will make you cry or will make you feel like the world is about to end very small challenges will overwhelm you and cause you to to frazzle if i can say that to like completely fall apart and i started to notice that i had this in me that i was that i was that a lot of that some aspects in my life could not make sense anymore like small things would break me down and they would um like a small thing would make me would stop my whole day you know and and it would ruin my whole day and i would i'd go back to bed and i would i just not want to wake up or face the world or or deal with a thing and i and you know when if you listen to the sermon series that i was talking about there are times that the bishop was talking about times where he he was telling god like just take me away from this world so i don't have to deal with this and i realized that i've been there many times many times where i just feel like why do i have to to deal with this thing or to 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 struggle with this life or to try and figure this out why do i have to why don't you just remove me if you love me because you have said that you love me <laughs> if you love me why don't you just call me home so i i can just rest and so i can just be happy you know and i kept questioning and saying i thought that when i was at emirates i was sad and that i would be fine and as much as i have much more joy i'm still finding myself struggling in this season and i got a lot of insight from what bishop said he said burnout doesn't go away immediately it doesn't stop because you've now now you've realized like hey burnout i know you're there i see you so now it goes away it doesn't simply stop because you're now aware that you're burnt out and you have to work and you have to to do things to make you you have to first of all give yourself a break you have to be kinder and more gentle with yourself you have to um cut cut back on things that don't make you feel good so you can allow yourself to to have more joy and more uplifting moments in your life you have to be around people who um allow the best to come out of you and so 
I noticed that even before I listened to the sermon, I started to pull away from situations that would make me feel small or situations that would make me feel sad or that would just basically steal the joy and make me struggle with some form of unforgiveness or anger or whatever. And I started to remove myself. And this was basically my body telling me, like, you don't need to be here. You don't need to be in this space. You don't need to to be around this person. And I'm so glad I did some of those things. Looking back, I it's hard for me to delineate what what it was exactly that made me feel bad. But I know that the minute I removed myself from those situations, I started to feel so much better. And so this sermon was like two months ago. It wasn't too long ago. Or maybe, yeah, I, I want to say it was like two months ago when I listened to this. And I have come such a long way because of trying to listen to... um to like podcasts that would help me manage. Cause I remember there's a time I did a video on YouTube talking about the fact that I had so much anxiety and I will link that below as well because I feel like I have come so far from, from what I was then. And I have learned how to, like I have so many tools now to deal with with a feeling of anxiety or a moment of depression or a moment of just feeling like I'm at the bottom of of everything, like everything is crumbling on top of me. And one of the things, the coping resources that I feel God has instilled in me to do is to come on to this podcast and talk about my journey in different aspects of my life and share it and and just release it and put it out there so that other people just like bishop shared with 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 just like I feel bishop shared with me obviously he wasn't sharing it with me specifically but just as his testimony or his story ministered to me mine may also be a light for someone else to find some sort of awareness, to find some sort of um, relation and comfort, knowing that one, they're not alone, and two, their resources to help you come out of that. And three, just allow you to feel like you can talk about it. You know, you can type something in the comment section and and tell me how you feel and I will respond to you and we'll talk about it. And that in itself, I feel, actually makes a difference. I'll also link a few of the podcasts that I was listening to that you might find as resources, helpful resources that will help you navigate different situations in your life and different um, seasons in your life. And then before I I leave, um, I want to leave you with scripture. I want to leave you with a word and words, different scriptures that I feel um, the Lord has been speaking to me about or concerning in this season and has been telling me stuff that has encouraged me. And one of them is from Psalm 91, 11 to 13. So Psalm 91, 11 to 13. 
for he will command his angel his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone and then he continues to say you will tread on the lion and the cobra you will trample on the great lion and the serpent this scripture was something that i used to to speak when i was in the dark season when i was in emirates i used to say that he will not let my foot tread on a stone but god reminded me of this recently when i was doing my devotion and this came up to me and it reminded me that he commanded angels concerning me to guard me because in the moments where you feel like you just don't want to exist anymore in the moments where you feel that life is so has become so dark and so difficult that you don't want to exist he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not tread your foot on a stone and then the other scripture that i was reading was psalm 34:19 it says the righteous person may have many troubles but the lord delivers him from them all lamentations um is lamentations uh is it 522 i'm going to find it and i'm going to put it somewhere here it says because of his great love we are not consumed for his compassions fail not so even as you're going through whatever it is that you're going through i pray that you find these scriptures encouraging i pray that you latch onto them in those moments know that he will not let your foot tread on a stone know that because his of his great compassion we are not consumed and you will not be consumed you will come out the other side your foot will not tread on a stone he will command his angels over you and you will be okay you will be okay the other scripture that i saved the last one that i want to share first timothy 1 and 12 it says i thank christ jesus our lord who has given me strength that he has considered me trustworthy appointing me to his service In my intro I spoke about how I just want to allow the Lord to do what he wants with this podcast and in the moments when it doesn't make sense to anyone else I want to thank him because he has considered me trustworthy and he has appointed me to this service so I will do everything according to that which he has appointed me to do according to that which he has instructed me to do Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for joining me on today's um episode of Full Disclosure this time. God bless you. And I'll see you next time. Welcome to you.